grace, mercy, and peace from our Creator and our Lord Jesus Christ to you this morning and always. So today, as we hear of Jesus' baptism, it's a great day to remember our own baptisms. And I assume most of you are like me that you were baptized as infants. And the only thing you might remember from that day are pictures or memories amassed from stories you were told about your own baptism. Yet, let's take a little deeper look. Rather than just remembering our baptism, I ask, what does your baptism mean to you? So the confirmands right now from uh, Our Savior and Holy Trinity Lutheran Churches were asked over the holidays to work on a sacraments project, which involved answering the following question about baptism. Describe your baptism with the following prompts. When was it? How did your family prepare? Who baptized you? Who was there? What happened? What words were said? Did you receive any items? And what stories are still shared in your family about this day? Then a couple more complex questions, and we'll get to those later. But I wondered, what if we ask these questions of Jesus' baptism? When was it? Well, we can't pinpoint the exact year, but we assume Jesus was in his late 20s and early 30s as his baptism began his ministry. How does his family prepare for it? They didn't, as far as we know. Who baptized Jesus? Well, God, actually, because God does all baptisms. But his cousin John, the Baptist, presided over the sacrament. We're sure about that because we just heard it. Who was there? Again, his cousin and others, actually all Judea and the region around the Jordan. Most were not named, but they did include some Pharisees and Sadducees. What happened? John was reluctant because he thought Jesus should baptize him. But Jesus convinced John by saying, let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. We'll hear more about that later. What words were said? Again, we don't know what John said, if anything. But there was recorded a voice from heaven that was heard saying, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Did Jesus receive any items? A dove, maybe? What stories are still shared about this day? We honor this story and tell it at least once a year in the church. Then comes the more complex questions that we ask the confirmands. Why is baptism important to the church And why is baptism important to you, your faith, and your daily life? Now, these questions may cause the confirmands a little more anxiety because they must give them some thought, an answer from their personal and ecclesiastical, or church, maybe Lutheran perspective. Now, we can't ask Jesus what his baptism meant to him or the church, but we can ask what it means to us. As the church. Why is Jesus' baptism important? It's a great question. You sit back and think about it. Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't need the benefits of baptism as we connect them to the forgiveness of sins, 
After all, he was the son of God, part of the Trinity. He was sinless. So why is Jesus' baptism vital to the church? What God does in Jesus' baptism is announce God's favor on him and claim Jesus as God's own. It gives Jesus his identity of the chosen one, the beloved, with whom God is well pleased. Therefore, through God's Son, God's chosen, hope, our hope, is not only born in the manger, but God's righteousness descends like a dove on God's Son, and God's righteousness prevails over all creation. You know, as I complained about the Revised Common Lectionary last week, I will praise them this week for the inspiration, for setting up one of the best callbacks ever. Uh, if you're not familiar with a callback, it's when a writer or a screen writer at the end of a book or a movie takes us back to the beginning so we can understand in a way what we have read or watched earlier on this journey with the characters in the plot. I call your attention to the dialogue between John and Jesus in the gospel. John doesn't feel worthy to baptize Jesus, but Jesus assures John, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness is fulfilled as Jesus is baptized. The Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus, and the voice is heard not only to Jesus, but those around him. They heard it too. The voice of God said, this is my son, the beloved, which means God is announcing this fact to those around Jesus. Look, everyone, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. This scene can be interpreted as a callback to our Isaiah reading from earlier. We heard in Isaiah 42, verse 1, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. If you're ever in need of hope, this Isaiah passage is one to look up because it reminds us of the righteousness of God perfected in God's chosen one. Jesus, as the beloved, the chosen one, will not cry or lift his voice. He will not force you or threaten you in the street like some, but gently encourage you. No matter how bruised you are, no matter how dimly lit your hope may be, Jesus will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And everyone hears his words. God who created the heavens and stretched them out, who formed the earth and what comes from it, who gives us the very breath in our lungs and the spirit, the gift of life, declares about God's chosen. In Isaiah 42, verses six through eight, I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison who sits in darkness, 
I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give no other, nor my praise to idols. This is Emmanuel, God with us and God for us. God made the promise. The former things have come to fruition, and now newness of life comes. Through the baptism of Jesus, bringing the love and grace of God in a new way, now it springs forth. We continue in verse 9. See, the former things have come to pass. The new things I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So we move to why baptism is important to you, your faith, and your daily life. Or my original question, what does, it, what does your baptism mean to you? Well, like the confirmands, only you can answer that. So as you ponder that question, we know from Martin Luther in the small catechism that baptism brings about forgiveness of sins, redeems from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe it as the words and promise of God declare. And sometimes those words are helpful. Yeah, what makes them real in our daily lives? You know, when I was younger, it might be a surprise to some of you, but sometimes I was a mischievous child. Even in my teenage years, maybe. But I always knew that my parents loved me. I knew when my parents were disappointed with my choices because my choices led to consequences. Some of those consequences were more painful than others. I also knew when my parents were proud of me because they told me. And there's nothing like hearing the words, I'm proud of you, from those who love you. In these words, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. God claims Jesus as God's child. And we can hear them through our own baptism. God claims us into God's kingdom. The words descending around us, we are God's beloved. With us, the church, God is well pleased. And those of you who are not baptized or don't remember your baptism, God's promise of love was present before creation began, before the church was formed, before the sacraments were given. Actually, the church was formed and sacraments were given for us to remember that God does love us. God created us and it was good. God claims us and God forgives us. Even though we are mischievous, even though we are slow to forgive others and sometimes ourselves, even though we think less of ourselves because of society's injustices, even though we feel guilty for all the things that we do that we know we shouldn't do, God provides God's righteousness to all God's children. In Peter's words to Cornelius, he professes that God shows no partiality. In the words of the Message Bible written by Eugene Peterson, Peter fairly exploded with the good news. It's God's own truth. 
Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you are ready to do what God says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again, well, he's doing it everywhere, among everyone. This is the inclusion God shows to us. This is the impartiality God offers to all people. So as you ponder what your baptism means, what God's love means Remember that God's love is for everyone, everywhere. God's love is inclusive to all creation, to all people. God's love doesn't change, but our, our understanding of it can. At the end of Peter's homily, he says, Jesus commands us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. You can't get more inclusive than that. This is the good news. All righteousness has been fulfilled. God's righteousness through Jesus Christ is complete. It cradles us. It nurtures us. It leads us. We can live to the full. We can live life to the full in a church and a denomination who welcomes all and loves all. We don't have to save them. God already has. We don't have to change their minds spiritually, politically, or mentally. That is the work of the Spirit. We are asked to testify to the love of God that connects all of us by loving one another. Welcome to Epiphany. Amen.